0: This is Profiles in Risk Hosted by Nick Lamparelli Every week we interview those who risk life, limb, fortunes, career and reputation And those who work behind the scenes, who look to protect and enlighten us about risk you can find the show notes and other insurance-related content at insnerds.com. That's I-N-S-N-E-R-D-S scom Now, on to the show.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. I am pleased to have Deidre Wright on the show today. Deidre is the Director of Engagement and Marketing at the Business Insurance Diversity and Inclusion Institute. Deidre, welcome to Profiles in Risk.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: Between Tony Carly and myself, we've had a lot of internal conversations about diversity and now i'm seeing the word inclusion you're the first host uh, the first guest i'm i'm the host but you're the first guest maybe we'll make you the host after this uh, <laughs> to come on to the show to talk about this it's an incredibly yes. important topic I think we're going to take this in a lot of different directions, and I'm hoping it's a sign of future podcasts that we can have to talk about this particular topic. So first, let's, let's hear from you. How would you describe what you do every day in your role at business insurance?
0: Right. So basically, Lee and Diversity Inclusion Institute at Business Insurance, my job is to facilitate diversity and inclusion within the insurance industry. I partner with industry leaders, whether they're chief diversity officers or um, HR specialists or whoever, and help them figure out what is unique about their company, what are the trends within insurance, and how do we keep on pushing the agenda so things are actually sustainable and actionable when it comes to how to drive diversity and inclusion. And I have a, a members who are part of the Institute who help come together as a thought leaders to um, further the agenda.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're going to get into why all of that is so important. Mm-hmm. You didn't initially start in insurance. You came from a different background. So yeah. could, you, could you talk about, before we get into the diversity, into the inclusion part of the recording, what got you into insurance? What, what was your background before and how did you slide mm-hmm. over on t- into this ecosystem?
0: Right. So I actually was born in the industry, meaning that I came from an insurance family. So I was always exposed. Whether it's I'm at a dinner, not knowing it's a, a client, you know, a carrier dinner, but I'm there with my parents and I'm learning social skills and how to say, what do I do? what's my What school do I go to? Whatever. So I was born within the industry, going to, you know, skiing events and all that kind of stuff. So I was always exposed, but I didn't understand what insurance was at all. And so I actually started my career I had multiple careers: one in research and public health research, then transitioned to marketing. And then when I was at a crossroads in, roads in my career, where I was—I just had my son, my contract was up at a in a marketing role, and I'm like, "What am I going to do now?" Because that marketing department got gutted. So then that's when I was like, "Hmm, insurance might be a great way to make some money and kind of leverage my skills in research and marketing." And that's when I transitioned into it. And Most of my career in insurance was in the brokerage role uh, for large casualty clients, typically with over a billion in revenue. And it varies from technology, shared economy, agribusiness, higher education. So the gamut of clients. Mm -hmm.
1: I think as we discussed before we uh, started recording, that's incredibly important, right? Because you're you're bringing in uh, a, a diverse background in terms of being able to see how other Industries or other uh, other skill sets, um, and how they wow. operate over on that side, and sort of bringing that over to the to the insurance sphere. So, how can insurance companies embrace diversity? First, can you define let's let's define diversity, what that means, yeah. and how how can insurance companies embrace that?
0: I think diversity, by my definition, is unique traits, experiences, you know, capabilities that you bring to an environment or an organization or a group. So that can be anything from, you know, gender, race, job, and roles like we talked about to just, I had this great experience. I, you know, maybe you lived abroad and that's trying of change your perspective on things. So I think anytime you have a unique lens or point of view to things, that's diversity that you bring to the table. And then to your point, how do we um, inc- increase that or what can insurance embrace companies it. do? How can insurance embrace, companies
1: embrace, embrace that?
0: I think, the most crucial or initial thing is create an environment where employees can bring their authentic selves to work because that's bringing diversity. I feel comfortable being who I am and I feel more comfortable expressing my lens and my point of view when I'm like, hmm, if we think about a situation that way? if we address a client that way? If I feel 100% confident that I can be myself at my job and that it will be embraced, whether people agree with my opinions or not, but they will listen to me and be okay with it that 's going to drive diversity and i 'll try to um, illustrate that so for example, one of the best international brokers I knew she was sharp, great with clients, whatever she wore purple hair like you would think that like marsh people wouldn 't have purple hair, but she was so tight with her technical abilities that it didn 't matter. clients loved her, but she wore her purple hair and it was interesting because I don't know who else can pull that off, but she's like, I I want purple hair. This is who I am. And I think having that environment and cre- created diversity because it was a talking point for, oh, she feels comfortable with herself. Maybe I'll be myself too. So I think anywhere where there's an environment where people can be their authentic selves, that's increasing diversity. Also, I think making sure you mirror your clients and your customers. So let's say that you have a tech client, okay that might be more diverse. You might have a lot more international employees or workforce there or different kinds of people as a broker or carrier. Are your underwriters and brokers mirroring that? Are they diverse? Do they have different perspectives to bring to the table? Because when you're meeting with clients, they might want to see what reflects them. Also are you diverse in what your idea of professionalism is or being a good customer service. So do I have to wear a suit to be professional? Not necessarily. My client they don't want that. Why will I come there being different than what they want? Like, be true to myself if I like wearing a suit, whatever. But they're like, hey, embrace... We like jeans and, and sneakers. Embrace that. You know, reflect what they like in their diversity and be okay with that. So I think reflecting your customer and clients. Also, I think embracing the diversity that is within your company. I was highly involved with a lot of employee resource groups. They're already doing the work, a lot of people. And this is work on top of your full-time job. So I'm already serving clients, exhausted. I'm also a mother. I'm raising my child on top of that. I'm taking time outside of that to help improve the culture at my company. And I don't think it's necessarily a race or gender thing, but I'm hosting events that have glue and retention for our employees. We're hosting events about health and financial health we're hosting events that are like fundraisers and we're building community at work. And so if people are taking their time out, their way to embrace and, and, and improve diversity, you got to reward them. Is that reflecting their performance reviews? So you if it's not, you're not telling people that you value diversity and their effort they're making to increase that within your organization. So I think it really comes to authentic um, environment, reflecting your clients and then also rewarding people who are being diversity and inclusion influencers within your organization.
1: That was a lot, a lot to unpack there. I wanted, I, I wanted to interrupt you a few times because you were making like yeah. so many really good points. Uh, a couple that stood out were suits, you know, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Do you have, mm-hmm. if you're a professional organization that's formal and your clients mm-hmm. are tech companies, they're right. going to, they're going to view those suits as something other than what you want them to think. You know, they're used to t-shirt jeans and sneakers and Uh wearing a suit to a meeting is so much overkill that you look like a salesperson that's coming in. That's just like a simple example that you're giving that just makes so much sense that can be uh, expanded to, to a lot of other areas. And
0: hair too. um, I would say one thing when I think about diversity, me being a black woman, okay, my hair is naturally curly. In big, and I mean, if you see some news, other industries, and you know, it's like, hey, it's deemed unprofessional where you're hair natural, whether it's curly in the fro or braids or dreads, whatever. And I think it's necessary that you think, okay, what what do I want out of my employee? I want someone who's a top performer, someone who is confident in their work. The, the looks, and I mean, don't be unprofessional, but at the same time, if my hair is natural and, I, and it's, it's clean and doing a job and well, like, why are we discouraging people from being themselves? That is part of someone's culture, their identity. And the thing is, sometimes clients resonate with that. Like, oh, okay, so I see someone who looks like me or someone who is comfortable with themselves. So whether it's clothes, hair, accessories, or whatever. And also, to your point, ask the client, hey, so what's your meeting style? What do you like? Do you like long presentations? Do you like free presentations? I know sometimes you get caught up doing, and I'm from the broker side doing renewal of strategy meetings. We have these long documents. They're like 30 pages. Clients just want to flip to the back and it's like, maybe we should do a two pager instead and have more conversation. Ask them what they want. Your team. Who's your ideal team? Sometimes you have RFPs or requests for proposals and have a new business. People give their dream team, their favorites. Is that necessarily what the client wants? Maybe they want a diverse background. Maybe they want people, hey, they didn't come into insurance rate from a risk management school. They want someone with a different experience or that knows their industry. For example, I had a healthcare client, and I also worked at that company before. I think that was an asset. Say, hey, I understand healthcare because I worked in that business. I did research there. And on top, I had a stronger connection to client versus um, if you had someone, oh, they went to risk management school and have this background, it might have not been as effective to understanding the diversity they needed for people to penetrate and learn what's good for that industry and that client. So I think you got to ask the client the question of who is your dream team? How do you want to be met? How do you want to communicate? Another client I realized was 75% deaf. And so with that, it's like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't just do phone calls, phone meetings we got to figure out ways to communicate with them because that's just a barrier that I didn't know existed. But when she revealed and was comfortable with herself and comfortable with me because I was myself, I realized that's going to stop us from connecting um, me with my client is the fact that I'm delivering something one way to her when she has a different kind of learning or environmental style that she needs to get the information that will help her do her job.
1: Yeah. So as you're as you're describing that, I keep thinking, well, diversity can be taken the wrong way. What you're describing is actually a, a differentiator. It actually improves wow. business processes. Like I, I never right. I never thought of it that way. And so, you know, for for any of uh, you know senior executives of potentially listening to this podcast, diversity doesn't have to be that scary word. Uh, even you know. if, you know, even if you are like me, the old white man in the room, it can, it, it just, if you view it as the business opportunity, opening up right. more markets, uh, opening up better lines of communication to the customers you're already, you already have. I, I love the example of the woman with the purple hair. Yeah. At the end of the day, what, what does it all come down to? Skill set. Right. He's rock solid. So no, it, it probably at the end of the day, it probably enhances the company right. itself, because she stands out so much as a right. woman, as a woman with purple hair, who yeah. is a rock star.
0: Right, right. And I think to your point, um, or thinking about that, when you think about people ask the question, why don't um diversity inclusion initiatives work? Why do they fail? What happens with that? And I think it's kind of two reasons. One, we you mentioned your older white guy. Okay, we need older white men involved. But just minorities or. And, and if it's just minorities involved in conversation, that's not going to go so far. We have to have all hands on deck to, like, what do you get out of, too? What's your experience? It's, like, that's the whole inclusion part. You have diversity, which is different perspectives, but kind of bring it all together. So, like, figure out how do we all have a seat at the table to make decisions and move things forward along. So, one is not having everyone involved, and two, not making it a business case. So, people are like, oh, you know what? Diversity inclusion is the right thing to do if morals or good reasons were the the ways that we um did things that we do like i would people say oh it's good to brush your teeth well that doesn't mean i'm necessarily gonna brush my teeth you know and if you don't do it you're probably gonna get cavities but it's like oh we should do diversity inclusion well if i don't care or i don't want to do that what is the consequences of that and sometimes it's better to tell people the business case versus the moral reasons because like hmm Diversity and inclusion is great to do, but do you understand you retain more clients? Do you have more for, uh, production when it comes to what your employees do? Do you know that companies perform better money-wise because of diversity inclusion? That perks more ears and more less of a moral thing versus, okay, if you don't understand that basic thing. You understand money and also people and how to retain your top talented performers for your organization. Yeah.
1: I've dealt with so many senior executives, uh, CEOs, of companies, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, we're all human. And right. I joke with my wife all the time. I'm like, the average human gets about fifty percent of their decisions right. That includes right. that includes senior executives of companies. And so, to me, it's a humility. It's 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 uh, the way I think of diversity as a humility thing. Is mm-hmm. not you're not opening up other seats at the table for on that moral ground that you said. It's you're wrong 50% of the time. You right. have those other points of view to keep you in line, to, to make sure that mm-hmm. your humility, your humbleness is in check so that you ultimately can make, uh, try to get towards 100% of the right decisions. And you can't do right. that if, you, if your prism of the world is, uh, doesn't have all the colors of the rainbow you know just think right. of just think of how much how much uh the world would be a lesser place if you only had half the colors instead of, right. all of them. so i'm appreciative that you're you're kind of opening my eyes on this i want to talk about the word inclusion because it has, okay. i will be honest it hasn't been until the last couple of weeks preparing for this and talking to carly and tony <laughs> that that word has popped up i think i know what that word means but what does it mean yeah. in the context of diversity and inclusion?
0: Right. That's a good question. I think people, diversity, diversity, but the inclusion part, diversity is part one. Have the diverse perspectives and people there. But once you've got them, what are you doing with them? It's the inclusion part that's key. It's making sure that like they have a seat at the table. It's a part of um, decision-making. It's a part of just the culture. So if you have people who are there and, and their opinions um, are included, that's how you get innovation. Doing the same thing over and over is not going to help. whether so was it like um, Polaroid and, and Kodak? Same-o, same-o. You're probably not going to have much innovation. But if you have different people there, it's like, have you thought about a problem this way? Have you thought about the culture? You think about, You think about risk management and reputational risk. A lot of things happen in the, in the, in the headlines, you know, especially when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Something like H&M. Okay. They have that, uh, sweatshirt with the boy and it said like king of the jungle. Well, I think about two things with that when it comes to inclusion. How many people along the lines, the way of getting that from, um, created to the public saw that image and like, hmm, that's okay. Hmm, I don't think that's okay. I'm sure there's probably some who saw that was okay, but is it an environment where people can speak their opinion and voice that is it inclusive? You have inclusive cultures, ideas, and whatever. And sometimes when you, have, when you don't have that, that's where you get incidences. But if you have the inclusion more, you're probably going to have a bigger, um, I guess, lens to see, like, okay, is the situation, is this right or not, and, and kind of weigh the pros and cons. So I think inclusion is key because if you have the people there, but they're not empowered to give their various opinions or strategies or solutions, um, basically it's a waste of a resource. And you're going to turn people off, and they're going to go where they're going to be included or build their own, um, build their own platforms. And that's what happens.
1: Yeah, completely. I I mean, that just, it seems like a waste of a resource. It also seems like it could backfire, uh, from a reputational standpoint, you know, yeah, Yeah. we're, you know, we're a diverse company. We, you know, we believe in all of this stuff and then they hire and don't do anything with it. It seems, uh, it seems, you know, why even waste your time, uh, doing that. Right you know uh carly talks all the time i think this this is a great segue leading to um my next question carly talks all the time about lack of representation of women um both on 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 our site insurance nerds right. carly talks about all the time like it seems like it's a lot of men writing articles um or being on the <laughs> podcast um and yeah. on executive teams in, in at insurance companies so uh, I I think I know where you're going to go with this, but w- why is it important to have representation? It seems like just an extension of inclusion,
0: right? Representation is important because I think it shows your values. It really demonstrates, oh, we believe in diversity, and inclusion, but so are you representing that demographic? Are you representing your values? I think that's what really matters. Um, one because like you, for me, I think it's key where I'm like, okay, I it's an organization or I'm a consumer. I want to make sure the brand I'm spending my money on represents what I believe in, you know, whether it's from the product quality standpoint or their morals or their sustainability, I want to make sure that happens. And I think the same goes with companies and representation. You said that you, you promote diversity, innovation, but on your website or when I walk the floors, your company, I don't see anybody representing different age, you know, whether it's different things, age, background, careers, need to see some different representations there. I think it's key for that. Um, one, for, like I said, representing your values. Two, when it comes to, like, um, people, you know, and, and your talent, I think it's important to see representation. If I'm at a company and, you know, I'm working hard, or whatever, but I don't see someone who looks like me in the senior leadership um, level, I wonder sometimes, like, hmm, what, what is my, um, my career journey here? How far am I going to go? No one looks like me or remotely close to me. Okay. Am I paving the way or are there more companies out there who have already paved the way and it's going to be easier in the road to me to succeed there? Um, also, I just think uh, representation matters, especially like when it comes to recruiting talent. And, um, for me, um, if I go to a career fair, I'm a student, I see someone who looks like me, I'm probably going to ask them questions that I will ask, uh, wouldn't ask someone who doesn't look like me. So me as a professional, I'm going to wonder, okay, one, what's the company like? What's your career journey? But also for you, woman of, woman or a person of color, what is it like for you when you're there? How are you treated? How is your ideas represented? You know, how, what kind of struggles do you, you face? What are the good pros and cons? That matters to me because that under, that makes me understand, uh, besides my job, what else do I have to face, um, internally? That, and so some, um, environments people thrive in, some, some people they don't, but having that representation has honest conversation. It is a selling point. So, I was a recruiter in, um, in the insurance industry. I would be wondering, who am I sending out to recruit professionals? Do they have unique backgrounds? I think it's good to have people who are, because they have rotational programs out there where people, our students will go and they'll do, and they'll send out um, graduates of the program. But I'm like, he also send out insurance professionals who haven't been in the program, just got there. Hey, I landed insurance by chance, but I love it. Having that different perspective of people who don't necessarily drink the Kool-Aid helps people like, okay, well, you went and thought out this career. I mean, you didn't, but you're both here. Why is that? And that might be a more compelling story to someone else because you have someone representing you. We're like, I don't know what I want to do with my career or my life, but this person is passionate about their job. They love it. And that makes me identify. So I think representations attract top talent and reveal companies value. So it's important in that respect.
1: Yeah, How how do you think um, diversity and inclusion is received across different generations? Uh, insurance yeah. is very much known to be um, uh, heavy, skew- heavily skewed uh, on mm-hmm. the older side and on the white side. But let's just say, yeah. just on the older side, uh, different generation. Uh, the world is evolving rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see, I see more diversity and in, now inclusion um, playing a part in hiring, but. I, I'm I'm thinking that there's probably still uh, roadblocks or at least um, um, discomfort with it from the older generation that's still, you know, honestly, still kind of controlling things in this. Right. So how, how, how do you perceive the generations being able to handle it?
0: Well, it's interesting. I think there's different perspective with generations. I think by region, it also um, depends too. Um, some people feel like we're progressive. Some people feel like we kind of slid back. Things were more progressive years ago or decades ago. So it didn't get just depends on that. Um, I would say boomers maybe in general might feel comfortable with the way things are going because they're like, oh, world well, I know I've been working in this industry X amount of decades and this is what I'm used to or whatever. While there might be other people who are minorities who've been in the business um, for a while. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm looking around, not much has changed around me. Um, so what's going on. This is the same condition that I was in, in the eighties. Why hasn't it changed? So I think that is a perspective of their old generation, but they still see there's a problem because of their perspectives, um, uh, within that. Now the interesting thing about uh, my generation, I'm millennials proud of it. It's a great, um, thing, you know, to talk about millennials, but we're hard workers and we're resilient people. Um, and I think we, uh, we're used to diversity. I mean, most of our time growing up, was like be you, be the best you, you can be. Like we hear that stuff. And that creates diversity in the fact that I'm like, I'm unique. I myself, I'm going to bring this to the table. And I think also because of just the way things have happened where there's more interracial relationships and then more diverse inclusion initiatives that's been around um, since we were younger, that we expect that. And also, people have to understand that, um, you know, that young people, whether they're white or black, whatever, they, they expect diversity at a company and they don't see that that turns them off to it. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you're a person of color or a woman or a man or whatever, our generation demands that. And so that's really key if you want to attract top talent um, is to have that diversity there. But I would say also by region because I worked both um, in the Bay Area, California, I also worked in Atlanta, Georgia. And I think that um, there are different perspectives on where we're at with progress. And I think some things are regional. At the same time, it's interesting because I would say, maybe on executive level there's less um i would say minorities i see at the top when it comes to um to um insurance um in the south or whatever but at the same time i feel like there was a really vibrant community of, diver- of diverse people who would get together and do and network and do things and whatever so um i would say it depends on generation but also depends on region from people's perspective on where we are with diversity and inclusion and also um sometimes when you don't have like i said that inclusion people create their own platforms and i would say the city of Atlanta has a lot of different platforms for people who are minorities who were historically shut out of um i would say like institutions or corporations who made their own platforms are doing well within them
1: yeah we were for, for those that are listening um insurance nerds has a slack chat um you can come it's open to any everyone i will put the link on the show notes Please come and join. Um, we had this conversation yesterday. This really? exact conversation.
0: I noticed it. <laughs> and
1: um, I think yeah, someone brought up. I don't. Someone brought up the fact that listen, you can have the best D&I program. Yeah. If, if and you brought this up as well. If if uh, someone of color or someone of a particular gender or, or whatever comes in and they don't see the people at the top that look like Mm -hmm. them or act like them or whatever, uh, they're, they're not going to, it's a very subtle indication that they won't have a career path to that because it's not mm -hmm. representative, you know, and, and how important that is. And, um, I'm not, I'm not saying there are uh, any solutions out there beyond what you're describing, um, Mm -hmm. It's it's probably like a, a multi decade problem that we're just going to have to continually chip away at. But for those well, that are listening, can- that are in those roles, it's important like right, to, mm-hmm. to understand um, the, right. the, you're not you're not just like putting someone there just to feel good. It's it's to right. motivate and inspire your workforce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I see Nick. Think about insuretech. Why do you think that popped up? You know, sometimes people don't feel like they're representative. Hey, I'm used to technology. This is my lifestyle. That's so what I'm used to. Why is insurance, quote unquote, old and old fashioned and technology poor? I'm going to create my own platform and avenue to mirror what my my wants and needs and desires and my culture is, which is maybe, you know, a technology-based thing and create my own platform from that. So if you think about it, these things are going on and it's diversity, not necessarily um people of color, whatever. is more of a thought process too. And it's like, I have a need for this. If I don't see that the company's addressing it, I'm going to create my own platform and insurance are doing well because of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Think of, uh, so we have, I have a Slack chat going on with a private group talking about agencies and Mm -hmm. also, also on the Slack channel. I had another, we had another conversation this morning about small mutuals. So think about a Mm -hmm. small agency or a small mutual. So anyone that's listening now, you're a small agency or a small mutual. Think of the massive advantage you would have if you had a workforce that was very diversified versus Mm -hmm. all of your competitors that you're clung for competition against who are doing things all in the same way. It's going to open Mm -hmm. yourself up to new markets, new opportunities, new business models, new ideas, different direction, yeah, it's potentially scary, but it potentially open it 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 uh, differentiates you. It's it's it can be a game changer. Just for, it, like it you said, be. you don't have to do it on moral grounds. If you just do it on business grounds, it makes so much sense.
0: I will say, sharing my unique um, experiences and perspectives have helped me engage the best with clients, or also just score opportunities when it came to my career. Like. One of my first jobs I got um, in college, I was in the en Internship Program, which is an organization in which they provide um, opportunities for minority college students to be exposed to different careers and environments. And every summer you go back and intern it with the hope at the end of it, you um, get a job there. So, um, you know, in high school, I didn't have much work experience, no corporate experience at all, but I did, like, summer camp and whatever at a nonprofit organization. But one thing I used to do on the side of... Uh, because I, I love beauty and beauty products and all that stuff. I used to do like prom makeup. Like girls, their, their makeup are prom because I liked all that stuff. And someone's was like, hey, can you do my makeup? I'm like, yeah, sure, if you pay me. So I would do that. And so mind you, I'm, I'm interviewing for was Kaiser for a, um, a research role um, at their division of research. And I'm like thinking, what can I talk about? Like, you know, like, hey, like I did a summer camp. I did this. I'm polished, whatever. And on my resume, because it was pretty like bare bones, I wrote makeup artist. And I have that experience and you know, and it was actually interesting because it was a diverse group of women who were who interviewing me and they're like, um, talk so about the makeup artistry. So I'm like, Hey, yeah, I found a need in the marketplace. I did this a lot. And they're like, interesting. And I think they, and they told me later on that unique factor that you listed that, even though it was extracurricular and something different, that made you stand out from the others because it showed that you were an entrepreneur or you did your own thing. And so if I wouldn't have not put in makeup artists on my resume, I would never got my first job and career within public health.
1: Yeah, so but sharing
0: that made a difference.
1: Yeah, that 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 goes into a great segue. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, basically, um, this isn't really this isn't all on the corporations themselves. There's a certain amount of yeah. responsibility to mm-hmm. you know if someone's listening to this and they think and they're a you know minority or a woman or someone that's not potentially well represented in the industry uh there's a certain responsibility on them right. too to mm-hmm. figure out ways to stand out and so right. what, kind of, what it, it you you talked about uh you know the the makeup artistry uh would it be yeah. advice it, it sounds like you're you're advising for anyone that's kind of building their career that they should also not necessarily rel- hope that you know some corporation's going to uh, create some program that's going to help them, they should go out yeah. of their way to also continuously increase and diversify their skill set.
0: Yeah, you got to manage your career or who will manage you. That's my thing. It's like, do you want to be complacent or do you have goals? Whatever that. you want out of life, you got to fight for it, okay? And you got to fight for that dream. And also, you got to, um, one, be self aware, understand who you are, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses. What do you want out of life, out of your career? And what are you willing to sacrifice to get to it? And part of that is also being vulnerable and sharing it, who you are to the public or to the person opening up. And I think so that's when you get real conversations and you get closer to what your dreams are. So I say, do that. You know, like growing up, I, I used to be a writer. Like when I was a kid, I used to write stories for my parents, friends and give them to them. Like I was like maybe six or whatever. And that's my thing. So I've always been a writer. And I always enjoy stories. I enjoy connecting with people, and so I'm like, how do I make sure I keep that no matter what my job is? I want to make sure that I engage storytelling and I engage people because I feel like through stories you're able to tell complicated or explain complicated um, theories and concepts to people, and you ha- get a better connection. You know, um, for example, when I when I was a broker, my friends had no idea what I was doing. They're like, "What is a insurance broker?" And so. I don't know if you know the show that used to be on Bravo called Millionaire Matchmaker.
1: I do. I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, girl, this is what I do. So basically imagine I'm Patty. I'm there trying to find <laughs> love and marriage for my client. Okay. My client would be a risk manager or a corporation. And the goal is, Hey, we want to get a marriage. You know, we want to have that long-term partnership, but we got to figure out who has the best, like, you know, skill sets and assets and all that stuff. And so part of that is like, who has the best, um, who has capacity, who has, um, you know, security with, you know, and all that stuff, who has the best offerings and whatever. And so that's kind of like, we're going to figure out who's the, the, the ideal match for that first. And so insurance companies are the suitors. And so we're, you know, we're over there. So I'm pay- interviewing them. Are you the best match for my client? They have this kind of risk profile. They have these kind of things that they want and need, or whatever. And we I pair them up for you know dates, and we do is by having like profiles, dating profiles, or specifications. Once I match them up based on that, who has the best offer, who's best proposal, we link them up. But, you know, just like with dating, sometimes, you know, you get complacent and you got to figure out who's the, the next best suitor out there. So that's when you go market again and go out dating again every couple of months. And that might be a little divorce that happens, but it's okay because you will find love again. Basically, I'm the millionaire matchmaker of insurance for my clients. And sometimes it's telling that simple story. It's like, oh, that's what a broker does.
1: That's the sexiest um, <laughs> way I've ever heard an agent or a broker be described. If you're an agent or broker that's listening to this, you need to somehow uh, grab that audio and convert it <laughs> to an elevator pitch. I am the mili- mil- millionaire matchmaker and go into that. that is, that's fantastic. Uh, but they I got it.
0: Make- Cool. Yeah, it, it makes sure yeah. it's cool and make sure it's cool because they're like what do you do? I'm like it, my job is great I understand I, I go to the top companies figure out how they operate where are the strengths weaknesses where are their goals and I try to help my clients match that you know and then what's even more exciting now in my new role I've had this experience being a broker and working on the floor and whatever and I'm able to equip insurance companies with the tools like hey, the diversity inclusion have you thought about this you have these protocols and processes but from the opinion someone who worked on have you thought about this method or how do we bring all these and i mean my clients are like they're the top leaders when it comes to diversity inclusion it's more just how we bring them together and have discussions the beauty of it is there's no competition so i have like lofted and marsh who are members they're discussing what they do because they have the the same passion about diversity inclusion that's like we should have to share we got to share, we got to share our passion, share what's working, what's not working. So we can, as an industry can come together and make solutions. And that's why I'm passionate about what I do because um, diversity inclusion, I was doing that I was doing that for free as a, as a passion project before I got this role. And I will always be a passionate person about diversity inclusion because I believe when you bring people who authentic selves or at the work, you get better um, products, services, and, and clients feel that and companies feel that. And like, that's what we want uh, for the industry because insurance i really believe that it's a top industry you don't need advanced degrees All you gotta do is basically be a hard worker and care about people or at least customer service and do your job well if you have that work ethic you will do well and i try and i tell everybody that insurance is the i mean when we talk about diversity recruiting i'm not a recruiter but i tell my story and, and testimony to everyone I was at a restaurant one day, and this lady gave me the best customer service. I was like, she didn't anticipate any my meat. like, my son was hungry, and like, it took a while for me to get his fries. She, like, brought out, like, orange slices. Like, just, you know, it was anticipated. My needs. like, hey, your food's not ready, but have this. In the meantime, I'm, like, have you thought about an insurance career? And she went to, like, the whole, what does that mean? And I like, told her my little story and other things. I'm like, you would be great. You have great customer service, people skills. You need to do this. So I think um, when it comes to recruiting diverse people. Then we think, how do we do that? There's formal ways, but if you're an insurance professional and you love what you do, I'm going to ask you to promote the industry and tell the people why, especially when you identify top talent out there who might not be, you know, college students or they might not have this corporate job, you know. There's a job for anybody if they want one in insurance and you got to figure out what are you bringing to the table, what are your unique um, aspects that you want to do or maybe, you, you know, you specialize. I know an entertainment broker. I think that's pretty cool. Like, Coachella, cool. So I tell kids, Do you like Coachella? How's that insured? Think about that. Somebody's insured that. You might, if you like music, try that out. So I think it's great to bring your diverse experience because that's what you can translate to an insurance um, um, role. And, and you can't, you got to embrace it. You can't hide who you are if you want to have a long term career that you're happy with. Yeah,
1: that's the whole point of the podcast. Really, well, it's, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's
1: to um, highlight all of the interesting things. It's not insurance is not some kind of monolith, um, mm-hmm. you know. Field. Uh, we're we, we're going to be interviewing an aerospace underwriter or broker oh, okay. in in the next mm-hmm. few weeks, and we've already interviewed like a drone broker and people that yeah. specialize in different areas. And like you said, it can be entertainment, uh, sports. Mm-hmm. Aerospace, uh, summer,
0: right.
1: uh, natural catastrophes. There's a home. There, yeah, there's, there's a home, home for you. Actually the, the more specialized you can make it, the better the home, the better the career mm-hmm. and then you can uh, have for yourself. What's what's the best career advice you've ever received?
0: The best career advice I received was to invest in yourself. Um, basically invest in yourself because no other person company or whatever will do that so what does that mean investing in yourself that means investing your time and resources to make yourself the best person you can be like and i've done everything from doing um, career coaching and i did a five-week career co- coaching um, through the national black nba in which i understood i had i clarified Who am I? What are my skills? What are my passion desires and what I'm willing to do to get there? Also sacrifice time. Like, um, one thing I wanted to do last year was get back to my writing. I knew that I love writing, connect with people. I started writing and, um, connecting more on LinkedIn and I got a following that way. And that proved to, um, yield good results. Um, also through that, um, and, and speaking my, um, story that's kind of how i got my job today um because i also spoke at women to watch at business insurance women to watch conference on a panel and the ceo of insurance saw me speaking and from there i was like oh i see you're passionate about diverse inclusion all the things that you've been doing it's like i have a role for you and so that's how i get there but i I would tell people invest in yourself and, and do that and also don't be afraid to be bold in yourself embracing diversity hey I'm I'm a pretty um, bold person, and I'll put things out there. But I learn, I listen, and I'm compassionate. But I think by being true to yourself, one understanding who you are, your capabilities, understand what you need to work on is really crucial too. Because no one's perfect, but understand what you're willing to do for that. Um, and I think that's key. I think on one of your past um what's the podcast, you you talked about you lost 100 pounds. Yes. Yeah. So that's investing in yourself. That didn't just shed itself. You know, you're like, I'm going to invest the time, money, resources. And also I would say that's something too. I feel like health is wealth. Um, I know for me, when I work out, I get mental clarity. I release stress and whatever. So I think investing yourself from a career standpoint, a personal standpoint, spiritual and health. And that's going to, um, that's the best advice I've ever received when it came to my career.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give to your younger self?
0: Yeah. What advice would I do? Go with your gut. Your intuition tells you a lot. And I'm not just saying people just don't consider outside resources or do your research because you need to do that. But every time I have not gone with my gut, I regretted it. And every time I did, it's some kind of intuition. Uh, it worked. Um, for example, I started in um, college in L.A. I went to Loyola Marymount University, which was a predominantly white institution. I'm a California girl. I was like, I'll never leave California. Like, never, ever, ever. I went to Atlanta, Georgia, to visit my cousin, who went to um, Clark Atlanta University out there for a homecoming. And I was just blown away um, by the diversity and the experience. One, it was uh, the South. I'd never been to the South um, as, you know, a young adult. And the fact that I saw some of the diverse people, like, um who one looked like me, but from different areas, because people in um, historically black at College University that oh, it's all just black. And it's like, yeah, but there's more. It's um, different nations. I, we had Chinese students there, African students, people from London, all over. Diversity also, uh, when it came to blackness, because I'm from California, and I went to school um, in California that a lot of people were from the area, so I started to see people from the East Coast, from the South, experience that. But anyways, I was blown away because they were young, impressive a lot of people had great opportunities they, we were entrepreneurs i started their own nonprofits or companies or had these top um, job offers and i was like i'm i'm gonna thrive here it's gonna be put me outside my comfort zone i'm gonna thrive here and i actually went back i had three weeks to um putting out i'm like i'm gonna apply to speltman college so i had three weeks to do it got ledger recommendation. asked my parents, hey guys is it okay if i transfer schools and they're like yes they didn't believe i was gonna do it because before then i was you know young adult didn't really follow up on stuff But I got it all done, and then the day that I was moving out for winter break, I got a call from the admissions office, and they said, Hey, DJ, you gone to Feldman? Can you be here you know, in the springtime, in January? I was like, yes, I will be there, and then I told my dad pack everything in the trunk of the car. I'm going to Georgia, and I would say, because I went with my gut, I took risks, and I tell people, just go with your gut and take risks. and I wish I would have took more risk and like maybe travel abroad, not well did travel abroad in school and did other things and maybe tried a lot more other industries. Um, but I would say go with my gut and taking lots of risks is what I would tell myself um, when I was younger.
1: I would say most of the time I don't follow my gut. I end up regretting it. So I think, I think that's very good advice. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting close to the end of the recording. Okay. And I I, I wanna get into a couple of questions I always ask uh all my guests. The first one, right. which is what tools do you use, or tools or techniques do you use to yeah. stay productive?
0: So there's multiple things um, I believe in to-do lists. And I read the book, Eat the Frog. I think it's by Brian Tracy. And basically, you kind of categorize your to-do list and grade and see what's the most essential things I need to do. So I think having that to-do list um, has helped me out. What, what was that um, called? Came, eat the Frog. Like Eat the Frogs. Eat uh, the like Frogs. Do, yeah, I've, eat, never, the I've, never,
1: I've never heard that
0: it's great it's like basically do the the one that you don't want to do or the hardest task do that first and you feel so like you know productive so that it's it's yeah that's one thing i um eat the frog i also have a happiness planner that i got for my personal life and it's a planner in different categories of your life from your to-do list to your schedule to to fitness to your um what do you ate that day and it's like a nice little picture of like what one day looks like, and every week you kind of evaluate how things went, and how do your mood and happiness kind of reflect that? So that's one thing. Uh, affirmations, or um, I believe in affirmations. Um, one of my friends, who's a life coach, he has um, uh, an album called Activation, and basically, and it's one of the songs is My Alarm Clock, which is like it says, "Good morning and, and be awesome." And like I work, I wake up every day with that mantra. I also believe in self talk. Self-talk is um, really important. And one of my favorites is um, Beyonce Formation. People don't think about it. That is like an affirmation. You know, I slay. Like, I work hard. I earn it. Like, you got to talk to yourself. So, affirmation, podcasts are really good um, because they teach me techniques on how to stay up to date with productivity and everything. So, those are the tools I use to be productive. And working out um, clears my mind. I'm more productive those days I work out. And eating right because um, eating steak and eggs, I know I'm not going to do anything but sleep afterwards. So I try to eat right so I don't be sluggish the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I, it's going to be hard to not see you or hear your name and think of uh, Eat the Frog. So, Eat the Frog? <laughs> you might have to name the podcast Eat the Frog, the title like of it. I like
0: that. Hey. <laughs> it, you know, it stands out. It's diverse and different.
1: Exactly. There you go. Stand <laughs> out. Uh, what books have been influential in your bur- business and or personal lives?
0: So um, I think business and personal life are kind of merged into one because I don't know, just I'm, I'm a self-help junkie and like that kind of stuff. And I love all those leaders. But the, when the major, the founding was so the, Napoleon Hill, he has a book called Outwitting the Devil. I don't know if you heard of that one, but it's one of my favorite. Um, and basically, like he wrote this book, but because it was so controversial, he he agreed his wife made him um promise not to release it to after he was dead and she was dead. And basically it tells us all the things that distract us from achieving our dreams um in life and uh in that and sometimes our institutions, our thought processes, and like it's it's structured in a way and it sounds like controversial, of, like someone talking to the devil and the devil telling you all the things that distract you from your, your getting to your goals and people, you can take it away. You want to, but to me, clarify, what am I doing that's wasteful and taking away from me achieving them. And sometimes that is your friendship. Sometimes it's your food, lack of exercise, alcohol, whatever. And what am I willing to do to get to what I want, what I want and not eliminate some of those things. Um, so um, outwitting the devil by not only anything else. Also a book called star girl, by Jerry Spinelli and it's a um young young uh, adult book. And I read that in college um uh, by the suggestion of my best friend um Vanessa. And basically it's like a story about this girl who came out of nowhere to the school and was really diverse and unique. And you know, she would play the flute and she had like a random like pet and like people used to make fun of her and then they start mock like then they started following her as a trendsetter. And then they criticized her. But basically the whole story is be yourself because that's all you can be and once you do that you might have a positive influence on other people so those are the two books that made a big influence in my life
1: oh fantastic i haven't heard of either one and i will anyone that's listening uh in your driving don't try to write it down just go to the show notes (laughs) i will put the links there um and you will you'll be able to to get to it quickly um wow that and almost an hour went by. That was fast. Yeah. And I learned a lot. You are always welcome to come back. We'll have to have you on um, just to understand the, the progress that you're making over at business insurance. Um,
0: yeah.
1: If if people wanted to reach out to you, how could they do that?
0: Yeah. So you can do that multiple ways. LinkedIn. I'll write up Deidre Wright. D-E-I-D-R-E. Right, W-R-I-G-H-T. I'll put that on also the show notes. That's also, you can go know, to diversityinclusioninstitute.com, and that's where you can find me if you're um, an advocate or member or passionate about diversity and inclusion, you want your organization to be involved too. Also, on Twitter, uh, it's at Deidre Wright, but write like writing, it's a play on words. You can find me there and at different speaking uh, events and engagements. So reach out to me, and I would love to be your friend and be your advocate for diversity inclusion.
1: My guest this week has been Deidre Wright. Deidre, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Nick.